0: For those that don't know, that are new here, my name is Cade, one of the leaders here at Divergent Church. Um, We're continuing continuing our Deuteronomy series, but let's start with prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can gather as a community. Uh, Father, that we can keep doing this, Uh, like the religious freedom. Father, that we have this opportunity, and I just pray we don't waste that opportunity. Uh, Father, that we continue to encourage each other, that we continue to meet no matter what tries to stop us, that we'll continue to meet with each other, uh, Father. And I just I just ask that, yeah, Holy Spirit, you will just just be here, be present. You are here. Lord, I just pray that we are present with you. Uh, I pray that you lead us, uh, Father. Remind us that the Holy Spirit is always here with us, uh, Father, and that that we are just guided by you. In your name, Amen. I remember growing up uh, as a little one, and maybe. For those that didn't grow up in a Christian home and understand this, but maybe you do. I remember growing up as a child and I don't know, for some reason, I don't know if it was just me because I was a kid and just didn't fully understand. But the way uh, my parents or the church, they would talk like the God of the Old Testament was different to the God of the New Testament. I don't know if you've been there and so you hear all these things about God, what God did in the Old Testament. And, and then they'll be like, yeah, but we live in the New Testament with a new covenant. It's like a new God. And I just, I don't know, I just grew up with that in my my mind. And it, was, it, it wasn't it. was until I sat down and really read the Old Testament. I was obviously got older and I decided to read the Old Testament. Often I stayed with the New. I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to read about the old, old God. I'm going to read about the New God and read the New Testament. When I read the Old Testament, I was just like... Wow. This is the same God. This is the same God. The God has not changed. And I think often as Christians, we treat God that way in the old and he has the same heart. He still wants to be in relationship. He has not changed from beginning to the end. His whole heart and purpose is to be in relationship with us. And so we need to understand when we read scripture, and I encourage you to read the Old Testament, to read in the view that God wants to be in relationship. It's about his grace. You know, Deuteronomy is a great example. When you read Deuteronomy, it's all about God's grace. Yes, we read the commandments, but his first four chapters are talking about God's grace. He leads them out from slavery. And but uh, yeah, I understand. Also, we need to we need to read the Old Testament in the lens of the, what it was written to at the time as well. Uh, some of us Christians will read the Bible as it's written to us, and that's where you're going to go wrong. That's where you're going to you know you're going to try and get the cultural context and put it in our own context, where we need to understand who it was written to at the time. The same as Revelation, people read Revelation like it's written to them today. We need to understand that Revelation was written to a certain people, the churches at that time. So Scripture is always written not to us, but for us. And so to understand that, when God, you know, there's, there are scriptures that talk about God being jealous, God being angry. And so that was when I heard those things and that's what atheists kind of use. They use that, you know, wow, you've got a God that's jealous and angry. And again, if we don't understand the context and what it means, we miss the point. And so I want to encourage you, when, you, when we read the Old Testament and we read the law and the commandments, these commandments are a God. They are for relationship. They keep us in the relationship like a marriage you know there are some no-nos and if the, the good thing about us in the new new covenant is that if we are strong in our relationship with my wife my wife you have met is Rachel um if we're in love we don't really need any boundaries or rules now i'm not saying that there are some there just in case just because it, one you don't want to tempt yourself or you have others around you that You don't want to put them in the situation. So we still have those rules, but if we are truly in love, we never put ourselves in those shaky grounds. But when we are distant, there are just there are some those rules then play a part in a way that keeps us in that relationship. Does that make sense? When we're truly in love with the one we love, we will not go behind their back. We will not do things. And so I guess that's the same with God. God has these commandments. And the way I like to kind of explain it um, is it, it's like a guardrail. And I don't know if you've ever walked on a, a cool walk. I remember going to the Blue Mountains and there was this awesome uh, walk and it was like a bridge that was on a rock. And like on each side was the edge, like it's straight down. And I remember I was, I'm scared of heights. So I'm always like in the middle trying to, I don't want to go close to the edge. But I see the guardrails often like law and that is protecting us from falling off the edge. But the thing is, Jesus, if we are looking ahead, we should be pointing, keeping our eyes close to him and the Holy Spirit will lead us. We don't need those guardrails. If we are walking in the Holy Spirit, he keeps us on the centre. He keeps us going towards Christ. And so we, we focus on Christ unfortunately there's some that want to peer over the edge and stop and get over to the guardrail and seeing how close I can get to the edge. How close can I get to this edge and kind of looking at the world and desiring what the world is and the, the world is over the edge. And that's what I think some Christians are kind of doing instead of actually focusing on, no, that's Christ and striving towards Christ and the Holy Spirit will keep us on that journey. We don't need those guardrails. Does that make sense? Yeah, some are looking a bit confused. Um, That's just one way to to understand. And so the Old Testament now, we as Christians in the New Covenant need to look at the Old Testament through the prism of Christ. That's why we call Deuteronomy through the lens of Christ because everything was pointing to Jesus. And so, for example, we don't need to sacrifice uh, animals because Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice. That's why we look to Him because that's where we're going to get our forgiveness. That's when we come in communion with God is through Christ, which gives us the Holy Spirit. That doesn't ignore the law. And that's something Jesus made very clear. Matthew 5, 17 to 18 says, "'Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. "'I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. "'For I truly tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, "'not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen,' will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Now, I want to ask you this question. Is heaven and earth still here? Yes, it hasn't disappeared. So the law and the prophets have not been abolished. So We need to understand because I think there are Christians that walk around and go, we don't need the law you know, it's it's done, it's a bot, you know. And so, and Scripture's very clear about this in Galatians 5. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. And so, but what my point is, is that we need to be walking in the Spirit. And that's what Galatians 5 talks about. Being walking in the Spirit, we will not then satisfy the flesh. We will not walk in the flesh. Because the Spirit and the flesh are competing with each other. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you know that God dwells in you? If you are a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are the temple. But if this, and then Romans 8 verse 11, but if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who ra- raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Again, he dwells in you. John 16 verse 13, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to speak truth. Um, and then again, Galatians five eighteen. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so there are some that are kind of, re- you know, read it, the Bible and they lead like oh, I shouldn't do this I shouldn't do that you're the one that's kind of getting close to the edge going well how much can I do in the world or maybe or well, the Bible says this so I won't do that and I won't do this that's not how it is it's actually we should be spirit-led the Holy Spirit leads us and so because the Spirit dwells in us this is the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now I understand for some of us we struggle to hear the Holy Spirit I want, I want to encourage you, okay, that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak in some loud, audible voice. He speaks to our conscience. He's the one that uh, is going to convict us. So when you, you, let's be honest, you get close to the edge, what is that that's making you convict you going, this is not right? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. But unfortunately, and this is why I wanted to share about the Holy Spirit, and this is what comes into these commandments, is that a lot of us are ignoring the Holy Spirit. And we're going, I don't care. And Scripture's very clear what happens when that, that's the case. But I want to come back to Deuteronomy 5 and go through uh, these four commandments that I have to read. And I was like, thank you, Kathy, for getting me to do these four. Um, these, these four, are, uh, and so we're looking at uh, Commandments 6 to 9 uh, from the Ten Commandments. We're not doing Commandment number 5. Honor your f- father and mother. Uh, we just don't believe that here in Divergent. No, it's only joking. We truly believe honor your father and mother. We just we we've got a blog uh, that Kathy's going to send out that you guys can read and you can you can uh, talk about it in your small group. Um, there's a lot, lot a lot here to cover. So and especially tonight when I've got to cover these four. And so bear with me as we go through these four and how I believe these are connected to the Holy Spirit. Okay, and that's why I wanted to bring talk about the Holy Spirit. And so when we read uh, these in Deuteronomy 5, this is what it says in verse 17. It says, You shall not murder. These are the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, and you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So we're going to go through each of these commandments. The thing with these commandments, that in the New Testament, New Covenant. They actually intensify through Christ. So there are some that we don't. There's some commandments we don't continue through Christ, but these ones actually intensify through Christ. So we're going to get into some deep, um, yeah, some deep conviction, uh, and this is Jesus speaking. Um, and so again, reminder that the two greatest commandments is about loving God and loving people. And so again these commandments is is and that's what the holy spirit's for is to help us have that love for him and love for people and these ones are actually talking about loving people this is actually to keep our relationships with other people um, through, like a relationship that god wants us to have so let's let's look at the first one you shall not murder now i think a lot of us know what murder is um so i don't have to go on too much depth but i just want to encourage you what, Murder and killing are actually two definitions. So while all murder is killing, not all killing is murder. Now, I don't want to go into a whole theological talk into this because there's so much to cover here. Um, But actually in some scripture, there talks about self-defense as being okay. That's what we see. Um, But I want to talk about what Jesus says about murder. Uh, and This is what he says in Matthew 5. So we're going to look through Matthew 5. If you've got your Bibles, I'll turn, turn to there. Um, I'm not going to talk about everything that Jesus, because I think there's just, there's just so much going on here. Um, but I want to talk about how Jesus intensifies this and why he intensifies this. Why is it intensified for, the, for us as, as the Christians? Um, so this is what Jesus says in verse 21 You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders. Will be subject to judgment, but I tell you that anyone who is anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment and so he who's talking about um and and again I just want to encourage you when it, when he's talking about anger it's not just like someone does something to you and you have this Anger towards them. I think that's often Christians read that. There's actually a lot more going on here. There's a lot more depth. There's actually this desire and hatred for a person. That's what Jesus is talking about. There's a lot more depth. We've all been there. We had anger on someone. You're like, oh, what are you doing? You have this anger. There's actually a lot more depth. This is what Jesus is talking about is that you have this hatred for this person to the point that you want them to be dead. Um, You have this anger towards them. And the reason why, why that is the case and why it's intensified is, because again, the Holy Spirit is living in us. And so if we are walking in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a love for his people. God loves. This is God in us. That's the Holy Spirit, God in us, and he loves his people. And so if we start to hate someone, be angry with them, be bitter towards them, what do you think you're doing? What are you doing to the Holy Spirit? I don't need you, Holy Spirit. Shut up. Be quiet. And so we go after this person that's, and you know what? They may have done something to you. They may have hurt you. But by ignoring the Holy Spirit, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? To convict, to counsel. And by shutting off the Holy Spirit. Who's going to convict? Who's going to counsel? Who's going to comfort? And we're trying to take it upon our We're trying to take control. And so that's why in 1 John 3, 14 to 15, anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him or her. And so what happens is that hate for someone it it puts a deep root into your heart. And so this is why it's important. We need to be in step with the Holy Spirit. We want to walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when Jesus talks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, it says, you can blaspheme me, but you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of commentaries around this. But what I think what Jesus is talking about, again, understanding the Holy Spirit's role if we just say, "See, get out of my life, Holy Spirit, I don't want you no longer. Get out, get out, get out. What do you think you're doing? Who brings us to God? The Holy Spirit. We cannot come to God without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one that draws us to God. And so if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that's why it says it's, it's an unforgivable sin because you cannot come to God anymore. And so that's the heart and the role of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not saying I think people get caught up. Oh, I don't, I don't I'm, you know, I don't want to curse the Holy Spirit, and that's, it's, there's a lot more depth going on there. And so we've got to be careful. And the reason I say this is because I've seen, I've seen Christians where they just went, Nah, I don't care what the Holy Spirit, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to hate this person. And can I tell you? they get to a point, they they left their faith and they got to a point where they didn't even know right or wrong. Like the Holy Spirit is just completely gone. To me, it looked like they blasphemed the Holy Spirit. That's how far they got. And so we've got to be careful that we aren't just ignoring God. That's what we're we're doing because he's the convictor. And so what is the antidote? Paul in Ephesians gives us the remedy for this hatred. And I love this. He says, verse 30 in Ephesians 4, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. See, There is no freedom by holding on to that anger and hate towards that person. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings freedom. And so that's why there are scriptures that are so clear about forgiveness. If we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us because we're shutting the Holy Spirit from our life. Does that make sense? And so I guess the question is, are you shutting the Holy Spirit towards some of the things in your life? Have you, have you decided that you're going to take control? And I understand that there are, there are things that people have said or done things to you and have been really hurtful and it really really hard. But the great thing is God forgives you and the things that we have done to him. And as, as hard as it is, God wants to work through us. He's got the Holy Spirit that will help us and walk with us. He didn't leave us alone. Jesus didn't say, see you later, he says, I'm, I'm bringing someone that's even greater than I, someone that's gonna indwell in you, walk with you, someone that's gonna bring forgiveness, kindness. So that's one, <laughs> that's one commitment we're going down. Then let's go to number two. I tell you that we're just gonna keep hitting the heart. <laughs> you shall not commit adultery. Do we all understand what adultery is? Yes? It's when I actually did a terrible job of explaining this. I hope you all understand. So a husband and wife are married and then one of them decides to sleep outside of their marriage with someone else. That's adultery. But again, Jesus intensifies it. He says in Matthew 5, 27 to 30, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I just want to note here—he's actually now stepping out of even the, the marriage. He's saying anyone, anyone looks at someone lustfully. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble. Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Some of them are like, Jesus, why did you say that? (laughs) That's hard to understand. (laughs) Do you really want me to cut my hand off? What he's saying, again, is about the Holy Spirit. If we start creeping in, start and and again, I want to, people look at this and they think that when it talks about the woman lustfully, when you look at someone lustfully, they think it's like, looking at a woman and oh no no what he's actually talked there in the Greek it's actually talking about desiring going after you look at someone and you actually start playing the idea in your head you start to go wow I want to be with that woman and you start thinking about it's 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 a lot deeper it's it's a you know feeling that arousal sin and so you start looking in them um you know, you start to desire them, uh, you start to nurse that desire, you start directing it, you start to seeking to fulfill it, and then you choose to entertain it, and then you commit adultery in your heart. That's what it means. There's a lot more depth going on, again. Um, and so a great example of this, and I think has is, is come into our culture, and now it's crept into the Christian culture, is pornography. Pornography is a great example of lust. And there's some interesting stats around pornography and I know this is gonna, maybe you're already aware of this or may shock you. Uh, I read this in the, um, Christian Today, and it says the stats say that 50% of Christian men are addicted to porn. And Christian women, 20%. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and put one side on the other but that's an that's a alarming stat. And I have to be honest, I've been there. I've been in that, that trap. I've got caught in that trap. And I can tell you, it's zapping. You, you, get, you get trapped in that, that cage. It's not something you want to be. And I understand that some of you have been in that before or you're still going through that now. Can I just encourage you, I'm not here to sit here and start pointing fingers. What I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you. But we, we, we're getting caught in this trap. And, you know, a culture, I listened to a podcast this week. You know, we, we question why is all this stuff going on? Why is this sexual harassment going on? Why is this all this, uh, you know, guys are just treating, you know, females bad? It's because of the pornography industry. Man, some of the stuff you know that out of there's a there's a there's a porn um, website that's so the most popular one, and out of the 13 million videos that are on that website, 10 million, 10 million were not legal. Actually, supporting the sex trade and infants that were in some of these videos, young, it's it's disgusting, and we have. And this is what breaks my heart. We have Christians that are watching this and supporting the sex trade. (laughs) That's going on. And I don't know if we understand or comprehend how serious this is. Billy Graham said, immorality, which means the state of being wicked, is an epidemic in our churches as is the secular world at large, as it is in the secular world at large. And I just want to encourage you that you know, for me, I thought, I thought with my pornography addiction that I, I just, this is something I'm going to have to kind of just battle with. And when I say battle with, it doesn't mean I'm going to keep doing it. It's just something I'll struggle and I'll put all filters in. And, but that was the lie from the enemy. God does want to see you released from that. And what he did was that he got to my heart. I actually think we, ha- we don't have a sin issue. We have a heart issue. I oh, There's something deeper going on. And it wasn't until I dealt with that heart issue that I actually see healing. I haven't had to deal with it. And I thought I had to. This is going to be something I had to struggle with. And can I tell you, it is freedom. And I want to encourage you guys and girls in this church, if you are struggling, there is a way out. Don't give up. God can help you. And, and I want to encourage you, don't just sit there and just fight this battle by yourself. Because you know there are so many struggling, Step out. Don't let the enemy step out and come. Be accountable. Talk. That's what the church is for. We're here to walk with you. The worst thing we can do is be in the dark and hide away. The Holy Spirit wants to walk with you. He wants to lead you. And, and I guess there are just the just scriptures here, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor nor homosexuals, nor sodomites will inherit the kingdom of God. This is not a mistake. This is about a heart thing. So there's a difference between I've made a mistake with sin and we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes with sin. It's actually going, no, I don't care. I'm going to choose this. I'm going to choose this and I'm going to do it anyways. That's saying, that's being unrepentant. And so I want to encourage you to fight that and go, you know what, that's, that's what I thought. I said, like, oh, well, that's just something that's there. I, I believe we've got to fight this battle and we've got to fight it together because it's something that's very, very common in our culture right now. Um, but you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit and you cannot do it without community. So I want to encourage you to use those around you, but I want to encourage you to open yourself to the Holy Spirit and allow Him, allow Him back in, allow Him to walk with you that's two down. <laughs> Let's get to the third one. <laughs> I know we've got a lot of blank faces here. <laughs> but I, want to, I just wanna encourage you that this is not to be condemning. This is actually to be, hey, that God wants to give you freedom. He wants to walk with you. He wants, he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. And he, he wants to, to show you and show you there's an easier path. You don't have to keep fighting that battle. Um, the, the next one is you shall not steal. Now, I think all of us going, okay, this one that I don't have to worry about or I'm struggling with. Don't be too quick. Uh, I just (laughs) want, again, this intensifies. Jesus intensifies this again. Um, But I just want to share the illustration. When I think of uh, do not steal, I was kind of like one of those guys. I "I don't steal. Um, But I don't know if you ever remember that ad when you're watching DVDs and they're kind of, they bring up and you're like you'll sh- never steal a car uh you'll never you know grab a dvd and run out of the store yet why are you on the internet stealing movies and music and um can I be honest I didn't think much of it I used to be that person but again we're shutting the holy spirit off we think it may be funny that we're doing de- you know downloading movies and uh people aren't seeing that but you know what god sees it <laughs> And what do you think that's doing to the Holy Spirit? Again, I want to encourage you as Christians that our role is, is, is to walk towards holiness, is to walk towards Christ. It's not how close can I get to the edge? You know, and the first time you go, oh, well, you know, it felt, oh, it was a bit of guilt. Maybe I shouldn't do that. But then you do it more and more and more. And what, what happens is the Holy Spirit doesn't stop. You harden your heart towards it. You start doing it. that's what we do to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's trying to convict us and then we actually just shut the Holy Spirit out. He goes, I don't care. But again, this even intensifies. So maybe you're not that person that's on the internet downloading movies. But again, Scripture tells us uh, in, in Psalms 35 verse 10 suggests that to dominate the poor is to rob them. You can see where I'm going here. Ezekiel 18 verse 7 says, "A righteous man does not commit robbery, but he gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. So in fact, by not helping the poor, you are stealing. Why? Because the money that we get is God's money. In the New Testament, Ephesians 4.28 says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. But must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So you might be sitting there, and going, Well, I don't steal, but I want to ask you the question, are you helping the poor? Because scripture says in in and this is again the reason why this is a big thing, because if the Holy Spirit's in us, can I tell you the Holy Spirit is generous? We 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 have this generous God who loves and cares, and he does not like seeing the poor on the streets. And the Holy Spirit has compassion and empathy over those. again, if we are not giving or being generous, we need to look at our hearts and go, why? Because if we have the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, his heart is to be generous. And so I would ask the question again, are we letting the Holy Spirit lead us? See how we connect it back to the Holy Spirit again, and so when we make you know a decision, and I, I understand some of, some of those in the poor, you kind of like oh, they're going to take my money or they're going to do something with it. I want to encourage you to just forget that, and you know what God God and I know He doesn't really not do this for everyone, but when you're walking with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you discernment. I've I've had people that straight away is like don't give you money. Pray for them. There are other ways sometimes. And I guess if you're walking in the Holy Spirit, this is this is something that will happen as you go. But most of the time, Holy Spirit's like, help this person. Go and buy them groceries. Show care towards them. Love. And I there are some people in our church that do an amazing job at that. They I love what they do. I mean, they're doing better than I am. Heaps better than what I'm doing. We've got some great people doing that. Um but yeah, this is a command in the New Testament that we got to value and help the poor. That is the call of the church, is to help the poor. Last, last command that we'll talk about. Um, you shall not give false testimony, uh, which perjury or legal language. So this is a command uh, that's to tell the truth in a place where it most counts. Uh, this is what the Old Testament command is. Uh, so, for example, you'll see that in American, um, often because I've seen it on the American movies, you know, when they get up and they're in, at legal, you know, in the courtroom, they've got to put their hand on the Bible, you know, speak the truth. Uh, we understand that. But there's, a, again, Jesus intensifies this again. Um, and so looking at Matthew 5, um, that this, these testimonies are not just in court, but this is in, for speech, He says in Matthew 5, verse 33, "'Again you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, "'Do not break your oath, "'but fulfil to the Lord the vows you have made. "'But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, "'either by heaven, for it is God's throne, "'or by the earth, for it is in his footstool, "'or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. "'And do not swear by your head, "'for for you cannot make even one hair white or black.'" all you need to say is simply yes or no anything beyond this comes from the evil one the lies come from the evil one and so again understanding that and it continues in James 5:12 this is James repeats he says above all my brothers and sisters do not swear he's not talking about a swear word here he's talking about don't lie not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, all you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. And so how many of us, and again, we all lie. If you say you don't lie, well, you're lying. <laughs> we all lie. It's not it's not the initial lie. We all go, oh, I shouldn't have done that, you know. But it's the continue lying, it's the continue of going. I'm gonna stick with this because this is gonna benefit me. This is gonna make me look good. This is gonna, I don't wanna tell people about, my, about the bad things I've done. And so we lie about what we do. We lie about where we go on weekends, we lie. And what you're doing again by lying and pursuing and going up, you're saying no to the Holy Spirit again. What's the Holy Spirit's role? To convict. The Holy Spirit speaks truth. It's not a liar. And so again, by going down that path, we're actually ignoring the Holy Spirit, and so understanding these commandments and understanding the you know why they're intensified it's it's so that we can we don't we need we don't need these commandments; they're just a reminder that that's keeping us on track with the Holy Spirit and so the question is. When you may have feel like you're going down that path or you're going close to that edge, it doesn't mean they're like, oh, thank, thank you, commandments. It's actually going, man, I need to get back with the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, that I've been ignoring you. Christ, it's through Christ that we come to who gives us forgiveness. He's the ultimate sacrifice and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And that's the great thing about God. No matter what you've done in your past, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter what you've been doing, doesn't matter what you did this morning or yesterday, that we are forgiven through Christ. We can stuff up again and again, but we, we, Christ has died for us. He's, he came for us and I want to encourage you, do not let the enemy get to you. Don't let him make you feel shame and guilt. We can come to Christ and, and through the Spirit there is freedom where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom do you want to walk in the freedom of christ do you want to walk in the freedom of the holy spirit i do we don't need to live by sin doesn't matter how much pornography you do doesn't matter what uh, how much lying you do doesn't matter you'll never be fulfilled you'll never be enough it's only through christ that you'll be fulfilled And I want to encourage you that the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Christ. We cannot become more like Christ without the Holy Spirit. He is continuing to change our hearts. He's continuing, and that's what I love about God. He wants to journey with us. Even though of our flaws and the things that we have wrong, He wants to continue to journey with us and work through those things. He doesn't just, sometimes He does. He's only just flicks it and everything, all those struggles you have are gone. But sometimes they're a journey. And I want to encourage you not to give up. Let the Holy Spirit in. Obey the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, I think some of us are like in a boat. Um, Edmund will understand this because he's a sailor. And I think some of us are in a boat and we're trying to steer this sailing boat with the, uh, what do you call it, the back, Edmund? Rudder. Trying to steer the rudder. In the water, and we're going nowhere. We're going nowhere because we haven't put our sail up. And what I mean by sail, when we put our sail up, what do you think that does? The wind moves the boat, and then we can see the rudder. But it, it's about the wind. You know that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being a rushing wind. I want to ask you that question Have you been putting up your sail? Have you been trying to steer your boat and do it in your own strength? Have you been trying to fight these things instead of letting the Holy Spirit in you, walk with you? Because I can tell you, you're not going to get far doing it by yourself. That's why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk and let the Spirit lead us. But we need to put our sails up. We need to put our sails up. And I think there are too many Christians that are just not putting their sails up and not spending time with the Holy Spirit. This is a promise. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Do you understand that? Wants to lead you. Speaks with us in in a still, small voice. I think, again, I think some of us have this idea that the Holy Spirit must speak in a loud, audible voice, I may have speak, speaking like that, but sometimes it's just the sensing. You just know that something is just, I have to do this. It's that conviction that you shouldn't do this. That is the Holy Spirit working in you. He is keeping you on the path. And I can tell you when you're walking with the Holy Spirit, when you're walking with Him, there is true freedom. There is this relationship with God. There's ultimate joy. That's what the fruit of the Spirit guarantees joy, peace, patience, self control. That is the fruit of. We don't strive for that fruit. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We need to focus on Christ. And that's when the fruit will be produced. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you dwell in us. I'm sorry for ignoring you. I'm sorry for trying to, you know, do it my own strength. I pray that you identify in all our hearts the things that we need to give to you. Show us the things, Father, that we need to give over that we can find true healing. So many are going through these struggles and trying to fight it in their own strength, but God you have you've told us that only through the Holy Spirit can we overcome that we can walk in that freedom and i I just I just praise the church that we are led by your Holy Spirit. I praise the church that we will raise our sail and let you lead us. I pray that we stop controlling you that we just let the spirit just Just lead our hearts and minds, because that is where true freedom is. And I just pray for those that are struggling, struggling with addictions, struggling with anger, struggling with lying, struggling with stealing. I just pray, Father, that you show them they don't need to live this life any longer. Jesus, you came for every single person here. You came for all those sins that we have committed and that we're going to commit. We just need to keep giving it back to you, nailing on the cross and then walking in the Spirit. And I just pray, Father, that we continue to do that. And I just thank you, God, that you're a forgiving God, that you love us, that you care for us, that you want to be in a relationship with us. And I just pray, Father, that we see that importance in your name. Amen.